Welcome to the Wits and Weights Podcast for busy professionals who want to get strong and healthy with strength training and sustainable diet. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and in each episode, we'll examine strategies to help you achieve physical self-mastery through a healthy skepticism of the fitness industry and a commitment to consistent lifting and nutrition. Welcome to episode 15 of Wits and Weights. Let's say you're a busy working professional, perhaps in your 40s with a family, a mortgage, and a high-stress job, but you want to improve your health through lifting and nutrition. That's why you're listening to this podcast. The last thing you want is a one-size-fits-all training program that has you lifting six days a week with 90-minute long sessions. Something so out of whack with your current lifestyle is not exactly sustainable, and it's a surefire way to bomb out within weeks, if not days. On this podcast, we focus on maximizing your time inside and outside the gym for a sustainable long-term approach you can stick to consistently. Results only come with steady application over time. That is the first principle of this whole deal, or else the rest is irrelevant. Therefore, you'll probably want a training program that has you in the gym maybe three or four days a week. Of course, if you can swing more and that makes sense for you, go for it. For maybe an hour, not counting commute time. Although we talked about the benefits of a home gym back in episode eight, today I want to cover how to maximize your lifting sessions regardless of where you train so you can get the most out of your workout without it taking forever while also producing the results you want. In today's episode, we cover planning for success, staying focused, using smart programming, warm-ups, supersets, and rest periods. All right, the first thing that I think about before even leaving your house for the gym is having a plan. Now, we've talked in previous episodes about the specifics of planning your training programming ahead of time for the next day, the next week, the next month. But in general, what I'm getting at here is you don't want to just leave your house, go to the gym and work out without having a specific plan of what you're going to accomplish during that session. And ideally, this is documented in a notebook or an app. And you've got everything laid out such that you don't even have to think about it when you're in the gym. So that would be each movement you're going to accomplish. And within each movement, the number of sets, reps, the specific weights, as well as the warm-up sets, and even the rest periods. And some apps actually let you pre-program some or all of that, including automated timers for your rest periods. Whatever makes it easier for you to be consistent and make sure that you go in and don't get distracted and get the work done. The other thing I would suggest before leaving your house is to prepare substitute movements for your workout. Now, if there are things you know for sure you're going to be able to do, you know, your gym has plenty of power racks, plenty of barbells, or certain machines that you want, and they're always available, fine, don't worry about it. But if either you expect the gym you're going to to lack certain equipment, and yet your programming calls for, let's say, a double cable crossover, and they only have a single cable machine, you know, with a single cable, well, then you can't do that movement. So you have to come up with a substitute. Am I going to do a one-arm crossover? Am I going to switch to dumbbell flies? What am I going to do? Prepare that ahead of time. Also prepare for the fact that if the gym is busy and you occasionally have a lack of availability of certain machines, 
that you have a substitute in place just in case, sort of your plan B. Like, okay, if I can't do this, I can do this instead. You don't want to just not do the movement and give up and move on. Try to do something that is a good substitute. So those are two ways to make sure that when you get to the gym, you don't waste any time. All right, now you are at the gym ready to get the work done. And the next thing I want to talk about, which is probably the most important for a lot of folks and where we waste a ton of time, often um, unconsciously or subconsciously, is avoiding distractions and just focusing on getting the work done. And there's a lot of things tied in with this. For example, during your rest periods, you might decide you want to check out social media or watch a video or check your email. And before long, you could be stretching your rest period out much longer than you intended. That's one way that you can waste time. And so going in with a rule that, hey, I'm not going to browse social media. I'm not going to do any work. Anything I do is related to my workout. Like if I'm going to watch a video, it's going to be to help with my movement. Or if I'm going to browse social media, it's because it has to do with my training programming specifically. But I would suggest that you don't even need to to do any of that stuff. Maybe listen to some music if that helps you focus. Or in many for some of us, not listening to music and just having it nice and quiet is a way to focus. Being efficient with your time while you're working out if you're doing other things like taking video, okay, that's a big challenge. Make sure you've got your equipment set up ahead of time, whether you're putting your camera in a shoe or on a tripod, but things like editing and posting and all that can be done later. Don't waste time while you're in the gym. So that's avoiding distractions from doing the work, but I want to talk about actually doing the work itself. A lot of folks go into a movement thinking, okay, I got to get the movement done. I'm going to just get under the bar, bang out the reps, and I'm done. But what I want to suggest is that you have both an attentional focus and an intentional focus on the movement and the results. So what do I mean by this? Let's talk about the attentional focus. That is a focus on the outcome. So if you're going to do a set of five squats, You're focused on getting all five squats and you're going to get there regardless, right? I mean, in your mind, mentally, you're saying, I'm going to get the five squats. Now, as you're doing the squats, you're going to have certain cues that help you with the movement. Once you've gotten past the initial neuromuscular adaptation, muscle memory, learning the basic form phase, you know, in the first few weeks of learning a movement, Hopefully, you've got the number of cues whittled down to maybe one or two cues each time you do the movement, so you're not thinking of every single little piece of the movement, and instead, let's just get the squat done, but you might use a cue or two to do it properly. Um, I think we never perfect these movements, so there's always something you want to think about, but having both an intentional focus on the movement with a cue or two And a cue could be simple. If you're doing a, let's say, isolation movement like a barbell curl, it could simply be every time you bring the rep up, you focus on squeezing the biceps and then going down slowly in the concentric or in the eccentric. But you're also thinking, okay, my target here is 10 reps and I'm going to get to the 10 reps. I'm going to train hard. When I think I'm close to failure, I'm probably not. I'm going to go for another rep. Those kinds of mental Um, games that we play to focus on pushing through and getting the work done, 
without, of course, going overboard, without cheat reps, without uh, pushing past failure, so to speak. But for newer and intermediate lifters, we generally don't train hard enough. So that kind of focus can help us train hard enough to get the result we're looking for. Now, a side tangent to this whole thing is being assertive with our movement, basically being in control, owning the barbell, owning the dumbbells in such a way that we are not um, too relaxed. We don't have too much slack, that we stay tight when we need to, that we keep a neutral spine when we need to that we're going through the full range of motion and doing it at a reasonable tempo. And all of these things, again, are things to think about initially, but eventually become a little bit more automatic. Getting your gym session done efficiently is partly helped by the fact that you are focusing on the movement and being assertive about it and getting it done so that you don't get hurt, you don't get injured, and you can get all the reps done you're trying to get done. Now, before I continue to talk about some techniques we can use in the session itself. Let's just take a step back. If you find that the sessions are still longer than you can handle because of, not just because of fatigue, but also because of your schedule and because of your commute, and now you're you're in there for two hours, even though you might be going three days a week, they're just way too long. Well, then you can consider, should I go in an extra day or two but with much shorter sessions. So instead of doing a full body, three or four full body workouts that might take an hour and a half, I'm going to do four or five split workouts, you know, push, pull legs or body part that are only say 45 minutes long. And depending on whether you're driving to a gym or doing it at home, that could factor in, you know, if you're at home, you don't have to commute. So you can do um, higher frequency, you know, you can have more sessions because you don't have that fixed time of the commute. So think about that, and you may not quite know until you get into your lifting, and maybe even a few months in when you get stronger, and you realize you need longer rest periods and longer recovery, you might find that the sessions are too long or too short or too frequent or not frequent enough. And so always consider that as a possible way to tweak what you're doing so that you can fit in with your schedule to remain consistent. The other piece to this is the style of programming you're doing could also impact the efficiency in the gym. For example, we talked about full body versus split, but also the movements that you're doing. So if you are focused on strength and you're going to do a lot of compound movements, squat, deadlift, press, overhead press, and you're going to be working with a high intensity, meaning a high weight on the bar, then you're just by definition, going to require longer rest periods, and that is going to extend your session. Now, you may have fewer movements, and it may all even out, but let's say you're doing a bodybuilding, or I should say a power building program, where you have compound movements combined with accessories. You could easily get to a situation where you just have too much volume in terms of time, where you know you might be doing five or six movements, but because of the rest periods during the compound lifts, even if the rest periods are shorter for the others, you're now extended into, you know, pushing an hour and a half, maybe even longer. So consider all of those, consider the split, consider full body versus, you know, compounds versus a conjugate style or power building, whatever it is, and just pick the one that you're going to be able to stick to. Um, Consider whether it's enjoyable, whether you're going to stick to it, whether it works for your schedule. All right, now back to the lifting session. I want to talk about warm-ups, and I can do an entire episode just about executing warm-ups. But what I want to talk about is, first of all, do you need them? 
Um, and the answer is, it depends on how you define a warm-up. So the the old school or classic warm-up of like that was done in CrossFit, for example, or you think of bodybuilders back in the day, where you you know do 20 minutes on a bike, and then you might do some stretching, and before you know it, you're half an hour in and you haven't even started your workout. That is not the type of warm-up we need. We also know that the evidence shows potentially deleterious effects from warming up the muscles too much with stretching when you lift. Uh, I guess in colloquial terms, it kind of makes you too flexible, if you will, and we actually want to be a little bit tighter and, and stronger when we get into that movement. So the there's a couple types of warm-ups that are beneficial. The first type is one that literally warms you up. That is, it, it raises your body temperature, gets the blood flowing, gets your heart rate up a little bit. And that could be just a very short bout of cardio or a dynamic workout. So for me, that would be a couple minutes on an assault bike. And that's it. You know, I work out in the morning. It's cold here in New England. I'm over the garage, so it's even colder there. And I jump on the bike, a couple minutes, that's it. And it warms me up and I'm ready to go. And it all of a sudden feels 10 degrees warmer when I hit the barbell. You could do a dynamic workout. You can do some push-ups, jumping jacks, whatever you want to do, really, just, just to get you warmed up. But don't take too much time on it. Uh, don't tire yourself out. Now, the real warm-up that I would suggest is warming up using the movements themselves. So if you're doing compound lifts focused on strength, you're doing, let's say, a squat is your first movement, then you warm up with the squat. It's as simple as that, where you take, for example, let's start with a squat and let's say you're, you know, average strength and you're doing a set of five and 265. The way I would suggest warming up is start with an empty bar, especially on the squat, maybe not as much for the other movements, but the squat, you have this uh, complex movement that requires some muscle memory and it's good to start with the empty bar to stretch out your elbows, stretch out your shoulders, kind of get into that slightly awkward position and feel the range of motion, you know, for a set of five, or maybe a couple sets of five. And then you start adding weight to the bar. And what you do is you do a certain amount of reps, you take a short rest period, uh, maybe very short, you add weight to the bar, and you do fewer reps, add weight, do fewer reps. And so you're doing something like five, three, two, one, or five, four, three, two. Um, If you have a higher weight that you're going to get to, you might have to throw in some singles in there at incrementally higher weights until you hit your working set. So what does this look like at 265? And the way I would do that is, you know, warm up with the empty bar, maybe a set of five, just get the feel, get stretched out. Then I might jump right to 135, um, but you could jump to 95 and then 135. The key is try to use the, the, big, the bigger plates, you know, start with the 45s, but if you need to use 25s, if the weight isn't very, if the final target working weight isn't that high, you're going to have to jump up with the 25s and the 45s, then 25s and 45s. So let's just keep it simple. Um, you're going to put on the 45s and now you're at 135. Do a set of five. You can put on now the 25s and you're at 185, set of three. And then do, you know, replace those with the 45s. Now you're at 225, do a double. Now you could pretty much jump to 265 at this point. If you were deadlifting, say 405, you might just use 45s to jump up. You might do, you know, 135 for five, 225 for for four. Uh, you might do then 315 for a triple or even a double. 
Then you might go to 365 for a single, and then finally do your working set at 405. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Just take reasonable jumps and do fewer reps for each jump as you warm up. The rest doesn't have to be very long between them until you get to very high weights. You know, if you're a power lifter, you're working in the higher strength range, and you have to have uh, some singles on the way up. And then you might need a little more time between your warm-up sets. Uh, but that's it. And then you get to your working set. I take a little bit extra time right before that working set. And then you do your normal working set with the full rest periods between each set. Now, if you're doing accessory movements or isolation movements, you can probably just jump right into that movement. Potentially with the the called for reps, just go right into the working set. If you're in, say, the 8 to 12 or higher rep range, you may not even need to warm up. Uh, It's kind of your call. If it's the first movement of the workout, you may need one warm-up set, like halfway there to the final weight or maybe three-quarters of the way toward the weight. You know, even if it's something like barbell curls, but you're working down in the, say, four to eight rep range, yeah, you may want to put on two-thirds of the weight first, bang out a set of five, and then do the working weight. So in general, for isolation or accessory type movements, you could probably jump right in. Uh, The bigger they are, the more compound they are, the more you're going to need to warm up. Like if you're doing, uh, let's say, close grip bench press for your triceps, that's a compound movement. That's very much like just a bench press, and you should be warming up. Now here's the exception. If you just finished a movement that's very similar, uses similar muscles as the next movement, well, you are warmed up. An example of that might be you just did a bunch of bench pressing. Now you're going to do shoulder pressing. You could you can still do a little bit of a warm up, but you're you're mostly warmed up. Or if you're going to go from an overhead press on the barbell and then to an incline shoulder press with dumbbells, you're totally warmed up for that. You don't even need to do another warm up, assuming you haven't rested for 20 minutes. So where I'm going with all of this is that you can save time by being intelligent about your warm-ups. Don't take 20 minutes doing a dynamic CrossFit-style warm-up. Just warm yourself up with a little bit of cardio and then use the actual movements to warm you up. Don't warm up movements that are you know, in the higher rep range that don't need them. You don't have to warm up movements that have already been warmed up because of similar movements before them. And these are all ways to save time. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you find it valuable, you would be doing me a huge favor by sharing it on social media. Just take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story or Facebook. Please tag me so I can personally thank you and we can talk about what you found helpful and how I can improve. Again, an incredible thank you for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. Now there's another technique to save time. It's more of a maybe a bodybuilding approach, but the way we're going to discuss it is is a smart way to use this to save time, not a way to get certain muscle groups faster to fatigue. And that is supersets. So you may be familiar with a superset. It's basically doing at least two different movements back to back. So let's say uh, bicep curls and then hammer curls, both of which work the bicep. You do a set of bicep curls, you know, let's say barbell curls, and then with very little rest at all, you go right into hammer curls. So you've fatigued the muscles, now you're hitting them at a different angle. You kind of go back and forth. That's like a bodybuilding style approach. 
I'm not a huge advocate of that because I believe in sufficient rest periods and recovery, even when doing isolation movements, to to get the full amount of reps and really get the full uh, muscular failure that we're looking for across the range of sets, right? Across from, you know, if you're trying to hit 10, getting 10 in rather than just getting six or three in because you're just so fatigued. So the superset approach we're going to talk about is the antagonist muscle approach, mainly for accessory or isolation movements. And that would be simply if you're doing, let's say a bicep movement, you then superset it with a tricep movement. So it's the, the, the antagonist, the opposite muscle so that you're not really fatiguing one or the other in between the others set. And you're effectively getting two movements for one within that time period. Now, even doing that, I would suggest a short rest period. So if you were normally going to rest three minutes between sets, you might rest, say, 45 seconds to a minute before you do the superset alternative and kind of back and forth. That's still going to save you a ton of time, but it's going to give you a rest from the general fatigue you get from the movement, you know, not the specific muscle that's targeted, but the general fatigue you get so that you can still get in your full sets. All right, I wouldn't suggest supersetting big movements. I wouldn't do squat and then, oh, it's my rest period. I'm going to do a full heavy working set of deadlifts now. I wouldn't do that. I would just focus on doing this for antagonist accessory movements. Um, and that could save you a little bit of time if you've got some power building or bodybuilding in there. Uh, you might be able to save, let's say, three or four minutes on a movement because you've combined it with another movement. All right, and finally, we get to rest periods. And I saved this for last because I think there's a lot of opportunity here to save time or sabotage ourselves either way. And I wanted to make sure uh, it was the last thing you remembered before the podcast ends. So I think rest periods are something there's a lot of misconceptions about, a lot of misunderstanding. uh, And I've spent probably more time than I wanted to learning about, reading about, and thinking about this topic because it is so important when it comes to recovery, to getting your sets completed, to doing the work, to going to failure, you know, all these other concepts like reps in reserve, um, the bodybuilding concepts like rest, pause, sets, supersets, etc. Uh, rest periods are kind of the glue that binds all of these and can have a big impact on your results, but also the time in the gym. So I think in general, for most people, Rest periods need to be longer than you think. I know that's a very general statement, but I think a lot of folks think rest periods are just, you know, take a few breaths, wait 30 seconds, do the next set. Now, for some isolation bodybuilding movements, there's a time and place for that. For example, there's something called rest pause sets or myo sets where you do a set of, let's say, 8 to 12, and then you rest 30 seconds, and then you try to do as many as you can again, and you're going to get half as many sets or half as many reps. You wait 30 seconds, do it again. You're you're fatiguing yourself and not letting yourself recover, and so you're just pushing toward that upper limit of failure um, more and more, quote-unquote, efficiently, which does save you time. But there's a value to getting the full set of reps in, Uh, as supported by the evidence, supported by the literature. And it's why you don't want to just use rest pause sets for everything. So let's take a step back and talk about rest periods. If we're talking about compound movements, the big compound movements, and if you're a newer lifter, I strongly suggest focusing on strength, 
focus in the lower rep range, higher intensity, you know, around sets of five with the compound lifts. I think it's efficient. I think it gives you a great stimulus. I think it really helps you develop and learn the movements before you start branching out into these accessories and bodybuilding style exercises. So for compound lifts, when you're fairly new, they don't have to be extremely long. I would say around three to four minutes, you know, maybe two to five if you want to stretch that out, could work for your rest periods between sets of five on squats, deadlifts, press, bench press. But before long, and and I mean as little as two to three months, as you start to get stronger, you'll realize that the stimulus and the fatigue are higher. The weight is higher. They're harder to get the sets done. You're going to need extra time. So it generally starts to stretch up into more the four to six, four to seven minute range. And of course, when you get really strong, you could be waiting eight, nine, 10 minutes or more between between sets. But let's focus on you know the average person, which is probably my listener, who is reasonably strong or getting there, working toward that. Between your squats, between your deadlifts, you want to give yourself more than enough time so that you can get the entire next set completed without the reason for you not completing it being that you simply didn't rest enough. (laughs) So we talk about all the things that are important. We talk about food, nutrition, we talk about sleep. uh, But in the session itself, rest periods are probably the, the biggest factor in you failing a rep on the next set, all things equal. You know, assuming you're strong enough to get it done, if you fail a rep, it could very well be because you did not rest long enough. So think about that. And if you are finding that you're not making progress, if you're plateauing, it could be your rest periods. Try longer rest periods and see what happens. You can't really rest too long. I mean, I say that with an asterisk. Of course, if you if you wait 20 minutes and you totally cool down, I mean, that's ridiculous. And that's also going to just uh, cost you hours and hours in the gym that you don't need to spend. But what I mean is you don't, you know, you can't really go too long as in if you wait seven or even eight minutes instead of five you might find that that's just what you needed at this point in your uh, trajectory. Like, let's say you're squatting and now you're getting up to 305, 315, and all of a sudden you get stuck. You may need to stretch out your rest periods. Rest periods can be shorter, however, for accessory movements and bodybuilding movements. That's for sure. So if you're doing something like a compound or compound-ish accessory, like lying tricep extensions with an easy curl bar, you know, you might be able to rest two to three minutes or even four minutes. Uh, The point is, rest long enough to get the whole set done. It's better to rest a little longer than a little shorter, is my opinion, unless you are specifically trying to over-fatigue the muscle with a special technique that requires shorter rest periods. Or if you're trying to train cardiovascular endurance, muscular endurance, and that's sort of part of your programming, and you want to have a few sets of isolation movements where you just bang, 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 bang them out with very short rest periods and get your heart rate up and it's more of a cardio workout, fine. But that's a specific application that has nothing to do with developing you know, strength or muscular size. It's more for endurance. Now, here's a trick with rest periods. I'm telling you to make them longer than you think they need to be, but there's also a benefit to this. So if you're doing a strength-based full-body workout, you probably have two or maybe three compound lifts in there at least. You can warm up the next movement during the rest periods for the current movement. It's perfectly fine. If you're going to squat and then deadlift, for example, you get your set of 
squats done. And yeah, it was hard and your heart rate's a little bit high. You're taking a breather, um, you know, wait 30 seconds, maybe a minute. You still have a good four, five, six minutes left in your rest period. Go ahead and warm up your deadlift. You're going to be at a very lightweight. It's not going to be taxing at all. You're simply trying to get the the movement, you know, burned into your brain. You're trying to get the blood flow to the right places. Get the rest, or I'm sorry, get the warm up set done. Then you've got three, four, five more minutes of rest. You get back to your second set of squats of working at your working weight. Okay, you get that done. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really heavy. It should be should be tough. You get them done. All right. Again, now you go up a little bit higher weight on your deadlift warm up, and you do your next warm up set. Then finally, you do your final set of squats. And then soon after, do another warm-up set for deadlifts. And before you know it, now you might be ready to hit your working set of deadlifts and without spending another five, six, seven minutes just warming up. So that's your big technique to take advantage of rest periods while keeping the longer rest periods that you need and not feeling that you're just twiddling your thumbs. Now, earlier in this episode, I talked about avoiding distractions. And rest periods are where those distractions really rear their ugly head. You sit down on the bench... You pull out your phone, you start browsing, and before you know it, it's been 12 minutes, 15 minutes. That's that's where the rest period can get too long, and you get distracted. Maybe you start talking with people, and you just cool down way too much. Or worse, and this happened to me uh, last year, is I was deadlifting, and I got distracted talking to someone, took a little bit too long, forgot to put my straps on for the next set, and I also didn't get tight. Like All of these things were a result of getting distracted. And that goes back to the attentional and the intentional focus. So what can you do during your rest period? You can just rest and listen to music. You can um, walk around. It's a great way to get extra steps in. Or you can throw in your warm-up set for the next movement like we talked about. There's also other things you can do. You can go around and get your next movement set up. Even if you're not going to warm it up, you might be able to you know, set up the machine or the plates or what have you. Um, if you're at a home gym, you know, I like to plan ahead to the next movement or two, move my stuff around. You know, you can't always do that in a commercial gym kind of hog space and hog equipment, but in a home gym, you can. So pay attention to your rest periods. They're very important for recovery, but you can also use some techniques to save time during your rest periods without making them too short. All right, that is my list of ideas to help you maximize your time during lifting sessions. All I ask is that you take a step back and consider your current approach to training. If you can incorporate better planning, use of downtime and rest periods, other approaches like warm-ups and supersets, you might experience more productive but more time-efficient workouts so that you can get back to all the other important and urgent things in your life. And if you have any other ideas to be more efficient, just send me an email at philip at witsandweights.com or DM me on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before you go, I do have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, just let me know by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. This will help others find the podcast in search results, which makes a huge difference. Thanks again for joining me, your host, Philip Pape in this episode of Wits and Weights. I'll see you next time, and stay strong.
Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.